Bloody Elbow presents the MMA Vivisection, the show that gives you a comprehensive breakdown and expert analysis of all the fights happening on this weekend's UFC card. Here are your hosts, Zane Simon and Connor Rebush. Hey everybody, welcome back to the MMA Vivisection with me, Zane Simon, and my co-host, Connor Rebush. We're here once again talking about this week's UFC card going down at the Apex facility in Las Vegas, Nevada, headlined by a light heavyweight top contenders bout between Thiago Santos and Jamal Hill. We're talking about the prelims right now, though, with a featured prelim bout between Michael Oleksajic and Dana White secret photo hostage keeper Sam <laughs> Alvey. I mean, there can be no other explanations, right? He must have, like, just the most raunchy, like, mind-bendingly... One of those things where even like hardened MMA Twitter troll accounts who are like, oh, there's nothing you could show me that would shock yeah. me would yeah. be just like. They, were, they would have it in their possession. Yeah, they would blanch, they would vomit and they would destroy it before ever trying to exploit that evidence. Yeah, it's something so disturbing involving a, a chocolate fountain. And, you, you know, I you mean, think I don't that's wanna... why Sam smiles so much. Like, it is just the, like, deep knowledge in his soul, like, I've got this. <laughs> like, there's nothing anyone can do. You know, it's just that expression of, like, I think it's comforting to imagine <laughs> that there's a reason Sam smiles so much. Yeah. I think this is sort of like a conspiracy theory where it's like the lizards control the world. Yeah. And somehow yeah. that is more comforting than just to admit that, in fact, everyone's an idiot and everything is chaos. Yeah. Yeah. And, and money makes the world go round. So, yeah, I think I will allow you to hold on to the comforting notion that Sam Alvey has any reason to <laughs> wear that 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 death's that head grin. grin. Yeah, yeah, that that death's head rictus on his face at all times. <laughs> um, yeah, I can't explain it. I don't know. I, th I honestly yeah. I think Dana White just likes Sam Alvey. Yeah, he does. I'm, I think it's literally just like it's an, a nepotism thing where it's like well, they're, buddy, it's, they're buddy buddy. Also, if you look at his. Um, if you look at his time in the UFC and w with like a, you know, a little more of an eye for context, you realize just how many times Sam Alvey has picked up the phone mm -hmm. when the UFC needs somebody to fill in for a fight. Yeah. And often that doesn't pay off, but I, I think it helps that, yeah, Dana White clearly gets along with Sam Alvey. Yeah. Cause like he fought three times in 2015. He was booked Five, six times in 2016, of which he fought four. He was booked, uh, he fought four times in 2017. Yeah. Fought three times in 2018. Fought, or he's booked for four fights in 2019, of which Maybe he fought. Maybe that's it. It is. The, that, they, that the Sam Alvey has the, the grin of a YouTube thumbnail. <laughs> and he is, he's a fighter made for content. Yeah. You know, he, he really does fulfill the most important function. And it was our mistake for assuming that winning was somehow connected to yeah. uh, your willingness I mean, to just step up and lose a fight on two weeks notice eight times a year. It's it's certainly been, you know, one of the things that kept Andre Arlovsky through hell and high water in the UFC. Sure. Is it? You well, might hey, our, our Arlovsky 40... wins yeah, now and then, though. He, so. he does. But I mean, it's still different. You know, he might be a 43-year-old who gets knocked out every now and then, but, like, he fights, like, five times a year, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. And Sam Alvey's almost certainly cheaper than Andre Arlovsky. Yeah, Ar Arlovsky, yeah. I mean, I'm, I can't be happier for, uh, you know, for any fighter than Andre Arlovsky being in his 40s and making, like, half a million dollars a fight to fight oh, on yeah, man. prelims against, like, the lowest tier of UFC heavyweight. Somehow he, he he didn't beat the system, but he used it and is still still uh reaping the rewards. Yep. Um so anyway, yeah, uh, Sam Alvey's Sam Alvey. Sam Alvey's bad. He hasn't won a fight in like five years. <laughs> um what if Tyrone Woodley but without any of the athletic gifts? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um and, you know, he's now, to be fair, like to Sam Alvey, he's he has always been a weird and crafty fighter. And oh, yeah. 
he's he's from all these fighters that have beaten him he has still often come embarrassingly close to actually getting the win oh he's, yeah, he's i mean still even, hurts people even brendan allen got hurt immediately in yeah. that fight he, he's he will still rock people he's heavy-handed he's sharp um and he has this kind of awkwardness to everything he does um that yeah can make him really difficult to read and he's also such a neutral fighter mm-hmm. that yeah like uh, most fighters are it is still incredibly common in, in mma today for fighters to pressure their opponent up to the fence and then back off um because there is this growing tension that you've got your opponent in a vulnerable position but now they have to do something and really when it comes down to it, you don't want them to do something yeah you, you want them to 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 do something when you're you're not the one closing the distance and it's an open space and you have all the options available to you yep and Sam Alvey exploits that that pe- people's inherent discomfort in actually using pressure really aggressively um will get people into a bunch of like awkward slow fights where then their entries become more predictable and he can nail them. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, of course, one major advantage for him has always been that he's shockingly difficult to out wrestle. Yeah. Um, he's very Derek Lewis in that way, where actually yeah. going out and trying to out wrestle him is one of the best ways to not beat Sam Alvey or to make yeah. your fight as hard as possible on you. For sure. So, um, Oleg Sajak is going to get hit by Sam Alvey. Oh, yeah. He's likely going to get hurt by Sam Alvey. He's still going to beat Sam Alvey. Mm-hmm. He is going to put a pace on him. He's going to hit his body, something that everyone should be doing way more often to Sam. Yep. Um, and he is going to use those moments when he's when when Alvey just corners himself to rack up damage and attack every target and put combinations together for sure. It might yeah. be the slowest Oleksajic fight we've ever seen, uh, as he's forced to build all his momentum himself but he will do it and yeah he's a powerful puncher himself he's quick uh and he's probably you know yeah belonged here at 185 this entire time so yep uh yeah there's a chance that maybe this cut will be really hard on him and bad for him and yeah he'll be really flat and seem slower and he probably will seem a little slower yeah yeah and it could just be all like you know, taking away everything that made him special at 205, which was Could basically be. being the, the the nimble, you know, small, high volume, all cardio yep. fighter. Um, but yeah, it, you know, until I see him get knocked out, he I know he was once in 2014 when he was basically just a brawler. But until I see the modern version of him get knocked out, yep. I'm not going to pick him to get knocked out he's always been able to rely on his durability and after that it's just all pace and it's all uh aggression and one of the things unfortunately for alvi has been that this late stage of his career he gets hurt a lot easier than he used to yes and he's trying really he understands what's going on you know this isn't one of those things where like alvi just doesn't know what the problems are with his fighting style yeah he's known for ages he's known yeah it's pathological and, and it used to work a lot you know when he yeah, could yeah. pull the trigger a little more when he was more durable it worked a lot so they there's been a lot of reinforcement for him to build this style oh yeah uh last couple of fights though he's worked really hard to course correct he's leading a lot more off the cage when he gets backed up he is trying to you know create offense of his own and to pull the trigger more often. And because he gets hurt and because he still backs himself up relentlessly and has to then try and fight his way out of a bad position that he's put him in, Mm -hmm. it just doesn't help that much. And it could in this kind of case, like it did against Brendan Allen, just take moments of success and lead it to bigger failures down the road because he's taking more risks. You know, so he's, he's now been in the UFC way longer than he was not in the UFC. Sam. Yeah. A guy, yeah. a guy who had a whole ass quite successful career. Yeah. Pre UFC. 
nuts. Sorry, go on. I was just looking at his record and marveling at that. No, between 2008 and 2014, he fought 27 times. Yeah, yeah. Fought Gerald Mearshart like three times in there. Yeah, yeah. Like a, a, a really impressive regional career. And then, uh, you know, since then, 2008 to 2014, six years. And yeah, he's now been in the UFC eight years. Yep. And like... All the miles are on there. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think that this is this is gonna end up probably looking a lot like the Brendan Allen fight, but without a submission at the end, where you know maybe Alexejic runs right into Alvi and runs into a hook and gets a little hurt early, but then just keeps pouring on pressure more and more and more, and there's nothing Alvi can do to avoid it. He can only try to scare Alexejic off. Yeah. And he's just going to start getting clipped up more and more and harder and harder until he gets knocked out. It's kind of a classic Oleksajic fight, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. It might be, we might look, be looking at some, you know, we've got the new Coke Oleksajic lately and we're going back to Oleksajic classic now. <laughs> Provided he does look good at middleweight, I have a brilliant yeah. idea. He wins here. Obviously, a win over Sam Alvey is huge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he wins here and then. <laughs> and then Oleksajic. Chris Curtis. Yeah. Chris wants that. a guy who will bring a fight to him. Let's do it. Yep. I'd watch the hell out of that. It'd be a great booking. Yeah. I like Oleg Sajic at 185. I have, I have high hopes. Me too. I'd like to see him succeed. He's, you know, we, we're both big fans of due to pressure and create, create exchanges and then hang out in those exchanges and try to fight their way through them and create something out of the exchange, not just, be like, oh, I had an exchange, I better step back and, you know, I, I landed a punch, I'd better get out of here. Yep. But the idea of like, oh, I landed two punches, how did you react? What did you do? I'm going to try to do more. Mm -hmm. And that's very much who Alexejic is. Yeah, I love it. Uh, odds on the bout, Michael Alexejic is currently, he opened at minus 330, he's currently at minus 586. Sam Alvey I opened at plus 270, currently at plus 422. I mean, at this point, Alvi is like, he's in MMA meme territory. He can't really be surprised at all if everybody is just betting against him. Oh, yeah. All right. That brings us to a lightweight bout. Terrence McKinney, Eric Gonzalez, and um, I just had a peek at the odds. Mm -hmm. And I get it. Like I'm not picking Eric Gonzalez in this fight. Mm -hmm. But Terrence McKinney is the kind of favorite usually reserved for like a Valentina Shevchenko fight. Mm -hmm. And I like the way I like all the potential Terrence McKinney has. He's he has tons of potential, no doubt. He has tons of potential. A legit top top-end athlete mm -hmm. with incredible speed and fast twitch muscle. Yep, and he's got the, you know, that aggressive instinct. He's confident. Yep. He's very confident. I mean... He, he starts out, you know, he's got, like, almost a, a Conor McGregor ability mm -hmm. to be on point, in range, to know all of his timing from the jump. Mm -hmm. It's damned impressive. It makes him incredibly dangerous against anyone. He is also going to continue walking himself into losses yeah. over his career until, I don't know, I don't know when. I don't know when he's going to course correct because his confidence is a huge part of his success. Yeah, It is what allows him to start as fast as he does and to be as dangerous as he is. Yeah, and I was pretty quick to excuse because um, obviously that it, it failed on a high level for the first time against Drew Dober in his last fight. And I was pretty quick to excuse that as like, you know, he, he took that fight on what? It wasn't like a day yeah. notice or something. Something like that. Very short notice. It was immediate. And I was like, so he he knows he's like not in shape. Yeah. Um, he hasn't done any preparation. Sure. You know, why not? Yeah. I wish more fighters would go out there and just take a gamble on. I mean, sometimes yeah. it works out. It works out for um, uh, Justin James when he fought Frank Camacho. Yeah, yeah. Another one where he came in short notice and he was like, okay, this is my moment. I have to make it happen. Chaos Williams against Alex Morono. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. I, I'm, I was pretty quick to excuse that. But, but the truth is like, uh, that's kind of just how all his fights go. Yeah. 
He's always insanely hyper aggressive. And I'm honestly not sure it was any kind of gambit uh, for the circumstances. Mm-hmm. It's not just this is the best way to beat Drew Dober, just the way I try to beat everyone else. Yeah. And I mean, it hasn't always worked against much lower level opponents than Drew Dober. Yep. Not yeah. much lower, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, he beat Sean Woodson's ass for a round and it yeah. couldn't get him out of there. And then he took like one step back to gather his breath and Woodson just yep. took him out with a flying knee. Yep. And ran right into a submission from Derek Minner, who is also a one round fighter. Like if there's mm-hmm. anyone to try to extend yourself against and see if you can yeah. beat someone late, it's Derek Minner, uh, especially yep. Derek Minner in 2019. But nope, he ran out there right into the lion's jaws and got finished. So, yep. So. These aren't bad fighters, but they, no. you know, there's a they, very clear pattern that he's yet to, uh, yet to step away from. Yeah, and there, there will be a point more and more, like you know, you get up the high, higher up the ladder. Drew Dober is a very good fighter. He's yes. a very fun fighter. He's a very durable fighter. He does not represent any kind of the the lightweight elite, and there are a lot of guys in that division that can do some version of what drew dober did yeah you know who can survive around and then make you pay really really badly yeah and uh yeah there's nothing to suggest for mckinney that like i don't know how that lesson's going to be learned because it might never be he might just always be this fighter who comes out and it's just like right you have to survive the the first minute of this fight is going to be hell on earth for you what are you going to do about it yeah, he's already had the opportunity to learn it. You can't even call yeah. that a prospect loss. Now, wouldn't be the only time a guy has had multiple prospect losses. Yeah. Like I said, a guy this, with this much physical potential and who's so clearly confident, like he could overnight make and massive leaps. But the thing with athletes like that, too, is they get a lot more time to make those leaps, too. You know, yeah. Five years from now, he could be like, oh, you know, if yeah. I just fight like Yoel Romero instead. Uh huh. I can be incredibly dangerous in third rounds. Yeah, my my physical drop off has started, and it's relegated me to being, you know, merely three times better than <laughs> the yeah. the average athletes in this division. Yeah. All that said, a big problem for Eric Gonzalez here is going to be that he really wants to be a physical force as a fighter. Somebody has gotten some very good ideas into his head, I will say. Don't take steps back. Don't give ground. Don't concede. Attack, pressure, go forward. You know, uh, put yourself onto your, exert your your influence in the fight. Uh And he's not any kind of he's not fast or necessarily strong. He's just a, a, you know, regular dude. I mean, you know, he's a better athlete than most of us are, I'm sure, but he's not a special athlete. And he's not, he's not a tactic. He's not a technician. He is not some like technical Marvel who can bank on getting into a war and just being the slicker guy in that war. No. So in his fight with Jim Miller, like he just ran headlong into Jim Miller and Jim Miller just beat him up. Mm -hmm. And that seems incredibly likely to happen against somebody like Terrence McKinney. Like if you're not going to try to stay away from Terrence McKinney out of the gate, Mm -hmm. if you're not going to avoid him and you're not going to try and like be cautious about what he's bringing to you, he'll just bring a, you know, he'll just bring an ass load of power and speed at you. Uh-huh. Well, since I've heard the term ass load. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, trying to, I'm trying to check my language down a notch. That was down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I didn't just want to, you know, got me excited. Yeah. But I, this just seems like a perfect opportunity for Terrence McKinney to be that guy again. Yeah. Uh-huh. Have somebody who's going to come out there and who's going to try to take command of the center of the octagon against him and stand his ground. So it's like, okay, well, here's one really, really hard right hand and a flying head kick. 
Yeah, it's not even one. It's it's yeah. yeah. I mean, the thing with McKinney is, like you said, that McGregor thing. He puts them together immediately. Yeah, I mean, like that fight against Dober, he knocked over down with a step jump knee. Yeah, in the opening like five seconds it's of that fight. Just one of those guys, like his. I don't know if it's proprioception or timing or something, but he is locked in immediately and yeah. dangerous and accurate and flowing right out the yep. gate. Um, yep. It's it's his most dangerous part of the fight for a number of reasons. And, yeah, there's no reason to think that that's not just going to happen. It's what he does. Eric Gonzalez is going to go out there and meet him toe to toe. I'm I'm with you all the way. Yep. That's it. Uh, Gonzalez is a uh, sizable underdog. Opened at plus 300. It's currently plus 586. Terrence McKinney <laughs> opened at minus 400. Dropped to minus nine forty seven and it's currently in minus nine thirty. Way too wide. Yeah. What do we think we're dealing with here? I mean, uh, God forbid this fight goes out of the first round. Anything could happen. Yeah. yeah. Anything could happen. Yeah. If Gonzalez could just, I mean, he made it to the second round against Jim Miller, and if yeah, he just yeah. did that against Terrence McKinney, I, you know, McKinney is not. He he doesn't have Miller's, you know, uh, level of composure. Yeah. Things crumble pretty hard for him. And he's so offense forward. Like, he could get finished in the first round, too. Yeah. If like Gonzalez down... stands his ground and just fires. Like, McKinney throws a lot of hard kicks with no setup from the jump. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And he, he, there are multiple fights out there where he has been knocked down immediately by a counter right hand over the yeah. top of, a, like, a low kick. Yeah, it's clearly just a hype thing. Like McKinney's, he's good on the mic. He's exciting. He's gotten people invested, but there is no yeah. way he should be that heavily favored. And I'm not even advising a bet on Gonzalez. No, no. The odds get wide enough, you know, there's yeah. expectation, but it, it's just, there's no way McKinney in particular should be that heavily favored. Yeah, there is, he is a hell of a lot of fun, but there are mm-hmm. glaring flaws. Yeah, no doubt. All right. Uh, that brings us to a welterweight battle. Takashi Sato, oh. Brian Battle. Did that on purpose. You said battle twice. <laughs> I did. You're right. Oh, you. Oh, uh, you, Zane. Me. <laughs> <laughs> I never heard a sad oh me in response to oh you. <laughs> Oh, me. <laughs> it's like coming awake from like the Matrix dream. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, I'm here. What are As we tubes? need the poo, though. <laughs> <laughs> we need the poo. The oh, bother of. <laughs> we need the poo removes a tube from the back of his head. <laughs> oh, bother. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny. Yeah, I, this is uh, this is a fight. This is a Takashi Sato fight. You know what that means? Countering it and nothing else. His opponent's going to get to do a lot of stuff to him. Yep. <laughs> um, that seems like a pretty good pairing for Brian Battle. Who is, is he going to get hit super clean by Takashi Sato exactly three times per round? Oh yeah. 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 But he's also going to do a lot of stuff offensively. He's going to put combinations and kicks. He. The thing I like about Battle is that he will absolutely take whatever target is given to him. Mm-hmm. He's not picky. Um, he does not wait for the perfect punch. He he will put his, his attacks together right out of the gate and continue on that track and can be very overwhelming as a result. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also going to test Sato's wrestling. This just looks like a pretty easy, like, Sato lands the best punches of the fight but eats way too much nonsense in return to win. Yeah, I mean, it, it it is fair to, you know, this could just, could be a test of uh, Battle's chin. For sure, you know? for sure. Like, Sato does hit clean, and he hits clean on counters, which means that a lot of people just don't see them coming. Absolutely. And Battle is pretty inexperienced. Absolutely. But he, he does so far look to be quite durable. Yeah, so far he's been quite durable. He throws a ton of volume. And Sato just, he is the most infuriating kind of pure counter puncher. Yeah. Which is that he, not only does he not create, not only does he not faint and lead his way into creating his own counters, 
but he's not a hair trigger counterpuncher who will counter whatever thing you throw at him. No, he's the he's, exact opposite. He's very choosy. Yeah, he wants to pick the perfect spot to throw the perfect counter. Yeah. And that makes it very, I mean, it's, it's really fun when he wins. When he wins, you're like, oh my God, that shot. Perfect. Yeah. And when he doesn't, you're just like, wow, why did you just walk out there and get beat up for three rounds? Yeah. Um, yeah. If Sato was just a little, I don't know, ballsier. <laughs> like, yeah. If he was, was just a little more willing to accept, I'm going to eat a glancing shot, but I'm going to fire right down the middle as soon as this guy comes in. I think he would be a really successful fighter because he's, mm-hmm. he's very sharp and composed and is himself really tough. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's he's way, way too choosy uh, and yep. too too easy to make uncomfortable in exchanges for for a dyed in the wool counterpuncher as he is. Yeah, I think I'll I'll ride with you on battle. I have a feeling that this he'll get I, I have a feeling he'll get surprised more by a punch in this fight than he ever has been before. Yeah. But he also throws a ton of volume and if and he seems very 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 willing to work that fight regardless of opponent you know like yep um Treshawn gore is a big power hitter and it put no pause into battle at all nope about just going out there into the teeth of his offense and just throwing everything yeah not half work. as subtle as not half as subtle yeah um or, or or experienced but uh yeah like i said if if it comes down to a battle will can can bank rounds here just by landing low kicks at the end of exchanges like mm-hmm. he's gonna he's gonna take whatever targets are, are given to him um odds on the bout. legs are for sure gonna be there yeah odds on the bout battle is the favorite open at minus 200 it's currently out at minus 256 sato opened at plus 170 he's currently up at plus 202 that's a little wide for me mm-hmm. um i'm not convinced that battle is the best athlete in the world Mm-mm. and he has not faced a level of competition to the point that i would assume that his his volume is necessarily sustainable as he mm-hmm. moves up the division you know it's like for a while parker porter was like the highest volume output heavyweight in the history of the ufc yeah it's like yeah against two though mm-hmm. and the moment he took a step up in competition that offense fell off a cliff yeah, there's too many hitches yeah. in battles like technique where, yeah, uh, again, like a, a more confident, uh, aggressive counterpuncher would find lots and lots of opportunities to interrupt him mid-attack. Yeah, and so I, there's room for Sato to win this fight. There's room for him to yeah. be, you know, like the best guy that battle has ever beaten by the most experienced person he's ever beaten is 6-1 and one Gilbert Urbina who had none of the athletic ability to compete at this level. Yep. And the fact that he beat Andre Petrosky is mostly a testament to how much energy Petrosky burns and it being tough where you have to make multiple weight cuts with no training. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, battle has faced just absolutely no good competition and even lost by armbar to some guy who is four and six. Mm-hmm. So I have a, there's, a, I think a lot of reason to be hesitant about battle, especially when he's out at the tune of like encroaching on like a minus 300 favorite. For sure. I would never have him favorite that wide. This is a big step up for him. Yeah. Unquestionably. All right. That brings us to a welterweight, another welterweight bout, Jason Witt, Josh Quinlan. And um, this seems pretty simple to me. I'm just picking Josh Quinlan. Uh, Witt is a very... When his game is working, he has a very polished MMA game. When he can get in, when he can punch his way into takedowns, he's got a very smooth flowing natural, re- classic wrestle boxers, you know, hit hard, hit double leg, get good top control and work somebody over style. 
It's very controlled. It's very composed. He has he's very slow on his feet, mm-hmm. and he has a very bad chin. A very bad chin. And Quinlan is, um, possibly has some unnatural power, considering that he the first thing that happened to him was getting banned or uh-huh. getting getting held up by Usada for Tristanalone. But he is a powerhouse. He is, uh, you know, he just, he has a lot of power. He's got some slick technique, and he looks like the kind of guy who can put it on somebody with really hard shots for round after round after round. You know, the fact that he has two third-round finishes to his name already. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, speaks well of his cardio and in LFA, you know, he's getting matched up pretty well too. It's not just like, oh yeah, but against two. And Wit is just incredibly capable of walking into the first big shot he meets and getting knocked out. So he I got is. I gotta take Quinlan here. Yeah, I think I'm inclined to agree. I mean I Wit, wit is a weird case because um i just i just have the feeling that like he he's a relatively small corner away from actually being consistently a pretty good fighter like yeah it's now it's it, the 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 problem there is that it's already been an entire career mm-hmm. and those changes have not been made but like there's it's really i think just discomfort even that leads to his chin issues yeah He's very tense. He's flinchy. Um, the lack will, of speed doesn't help, too. It's really it doesn't help. very obvious what he's doing on his feet when he is stepping in to do it. So, yeah. He, people have a lot of time to be able to counter him well. Yeah, but he's it's just the panickiness. Like, yeah. I would love to see that sorted out because he's a super well-rounded fighter who's very physical. And... Yeah. Um, and um, and clearly is always in incredible condition because for as often as he gets hurt, when he gets a chance to recover, he recovers like nobody's business. Um, and we'll just keep fighting that that fight with Barbarena was absolutely insane. How many times yeah. he was like completely out on his feet and just stayed in there and came out next round looking fresh. Mm-hmm. But um, he it's been like he's had like a 10 year career and he's still just like panicking and freaking out and and tense and his fights have pretty much always had this exact same pattern where either he gets in there and immediately establishes a strong wrestling advantage or something terrible happens mm-hmm. and so yeah i'm with you Quinlan and is. even in the philip Rowe fight he established the strong wrestling advantage yeah and then he had to go out and reassert it in round two and something terrible happened yeah yeah like right. it, Never, never has a fighter been more susceptible to like the, the the very idea of each round starts on the feet. Yeah. Than Jason Witt. Yep. And against somebody like Quinlan, who just has some clear, really good natural kickboxing form. Yeah. And some big power behind it. Um, and the ability to to deliver it multiple rounds. I got to go with him. Mm-hmm. Quinlan is the favorite. Opened at minus. Uh, one, minus one sixty, minus one seventy or so, dropped straight down to minus two ten, and is currently out at minus two twenty seven. Wit opened at plus one seventy, currently at plus one eighty three. It's too bad Quinlan's already almost thirty somehow, like just got a very late start in MMA because mm-hmm. there's some very like early career Robbie Lawler vibes to him. Yeah, you know. Yeah. We'll see. He, he does yeah. look very promising. I mean, yeah. And there's nothing to say that, you know, getting started late in MMA, he can't still go out and be good for another 10 years and just, you know, run yeah, yeah. the end of his edges of his physical limitations at the end of his 30s. Yeah, absolutely. A major part of what we usually um, consider to be like prime years is influenced by how long a person has been fighting. Yep. 
because we and we see guys all the time where you started it, you started as a teen and you flame out by 30 because you've already yeah. put all the mileage on your body that and you then can't. the guys who start in their mid-20s or late-20s and somehow look physically fit till 36 you know yeah i mean you know we were talking about yo romero just a minute ago and like there's a dude who started his mma career when he's like 33 obviously a bit of an exception yeah Romero like, also had an entire an entire uh wrestling career to rival basically anyone else like literally sure. fighting as a professional folk style wrestler in europe for a while like he did very physically taxing things for a really long time before sure, coming but, to mma but it, but i mean even though he did very physically taxing things for a long time before coming to mma he still had a career in mma that was highly oh, yeah. competitive into his 40s yeah you know i'm, I'm saying, just like, saying romero is a special kind of athlete he really sure, is but you know i mean you, you can say the same thing for, i mean i know you could say the same thing as a special athlete too for like joe warren but yeah. he was always a guy i like to look at as a case too where it's like got into mma in his early 30s and just kept fighting well into his early 40s mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. before he fell off a cliff like yep Getting into the sport late does not necessarily mean an abridged career unless you're going to be one of those rare cases like a Robbie Lawler where you start at 18 and are hit the best years of your career at like 37. Yeah. Or 35, I think, in his case. Very but, unusual arc. Or uh, RDA, similarly. Yeah. But that happens very rarely. All right. That brings us to a woman's strawweight bout, Corey McKenna, Miranda Granger. And um, this is kind of a show me fight for Corey McKenna, mm-hmm. I feel like. Um, I think this is you. For it talking, is me. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I agree with that assessment because um, it just feels like she really should be able to win here. Mm-hmm. Miranda Granger doesn't really bring a lot to the table technically. No. She's super awkward on the feet. I mean, she can land some good kicks, but there's very little to set them up or follow them up. Um, she runs herself out of distance all yeah. the time, constantly into the clinch, and then she has no wrestling or grappling control to speak of at all. Yep. Yeah, it's it's really just that she's 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 big. She's big, yeah. Yeah, and Corey McKenna is, I think, even by strawweight standards, pretty little. Uh-huh. She's, I think, 5'3". Yeah, which is actually pretty normal by strawweight standards. 5'2 to 5'4 is about that division's normal. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree with that. Um, I mean, I'm, I am going to pick McKenna. Yeah. I do think she just shows way more promise as a fighter. She's 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 got a... Um, innately scrappy mentality that I think Granger, I mean, I don't know. Granger is a, she fights back. (laughs) Yeah. Granger has a scrappy mentality. She says she's just not been trained. Well, no, she doesn't have any way to initiate the scrap. It's always her fighting back. It's always her having to respond to the awful position she's put herself in. Yeah. Um, yeah. McKenna's actually got footwork. She can actually put together combinations like her boxing is fairly solid. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is going to be um, a test of just how confident can she continue looking um, against somebody who's really not using their size all that effectively, but is big. And it, it really can be a, a hurdle. Like uh, if anyone out there listening has never like gone sparring against someone who's much taller than you, it's really disconcerting. Yeah. And it's uh, also just one of these things too, for McKenna where she just needs to, there needs to be some retuning of her identity. I feel like, like she is right now. It feels a bit like she is walking herself down the, uh, Cynthia Calvillo path Mm. where there's been a lot of investment on a boxing game. Mm -hmm. That's not terrible. It's better than Calvillo's. It's better than Calvillo's. It is. She's quicker handed. She's she lands harder shots. Like she yeah. puts combinations together. Her jab is like a real jab. Yeah. It's better it than is, Calvillo's boxing. It's better than Calvillo's boxing. But it is not a power. There's never going to be a power boxing game out of it. There's never going to be a power punching game out of it. No. And 
she just could not figure out how to have and maintain another kind of fight against Elise Reed. Yeah. Where she just didn't get punched harder all the time. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think I think a small adjustment because I do I really like her boxing mechanics. Mm-hmm. She could just be more aggressive with it, like yeah, double, triple jab. Keep keep just like staying in range, but constantly moving around your opponent with your jab. Yeah, and that the hand speed and the combination punching technique is going to show. Mm-hmm. You can you can aggressively like outmaneuver your opponents, but she's the Calvioness is her intention to like be slick. Mm-hmm. And in her mind, that means that means not being as scrappy as I think she yeah. kind of wants to be. <laughs> like, yeah, a lot of bobbing in and out, a lot of yeah. like resetting outside the pocket, and yeah, trying to like having to constantly reinitiate exchanges because like oh well I'm gonna slip back away and all that. It's just like yeah, you. But every time you do that, you're now giving you're now creating another exchange where that person is going to yeah, see yeah. you stepping in and they're just going to have a chance to hit you really hard. I, I think she could be a pretty effective pressure uh, boxer who, who yeah. leverages that into, into wrestling attacks. Yeah. So that's kind of just what I want to see. Like this is a, this is the kind of fight against Granger where like, I love having these fights in the UFC because they don't come along very often where you just like, you have kind of a blank slate here with this opponent. Mm-hmm. Show me what you're training to do because they will let you do almost anything. Right. Exactly. And so that that's really what this is about. It's just like, go out and dominate this person. Show me a version of you that can be dominant Mm -hmm. because there is a, this is way easier than Kay Hansen or Elise Reed. For sure. You know? So, yeah. Granger's Granger size is more awkwardness than it is. Yeah. Uh, a, a, an effective weapon. So I, I agree. She needs to just go out there and just, just paint the canvas how she wants. Yep. So she, I, she, she, she seems likely to win even if she doesn't, but exactly. I'm not, there's no version of this fight that I'm not going to pick Corey McKenna in. Yeah. But I want to see her look like somebody who doesn't ever struggle to control the fight, mm-hmm. you know? I want to see, like, we saw Lupe Godinez against, um, who was it? Jocelyn Edwards? Uh, n- no, wasn't it? No. She didn't fight Jocelyn Edwards. She oh, fought no, Luana Carolina. Just... We saw her against Ariane Carnalossi yeah, yeah. recently, where Carnalossi's strong, but doesn't really have any other parts to her game that are control or technical. Yeah. And Lupita, Lupita Godinez went out there and just, like, annihilated her was just every single moment of the fight putting on a clinic and you got to see like oh this is what this person is training this is what they want to do and when they can do it Mm -hmm. they have a complete game that is dangerous and fun and dominating that's what i want to see yeah you know from elise reed in a fight like this like, yeah, okay, Miranda Granger's big, but you have all the tools you need to win this fight. Like, I was con- I was confusing Jocelyn Edwards with uh, Luana Carolina. Yeah, yeah. Big, tall, lanky striker. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it's, it's like, the, I'm still mystified as to how Godinez uh, failed so ba- badly in that fight and hope that <laughs> McKenna isn't in, the, in for the same thing here against Granger, but Carolina is... Even, you know, she's better than Granger. She's better than Granger. At the very least, she's a snappier striker. Uh-huh. You can create more danger with that than Granger can. Granger, she really just has to go out and implement her size on you. She has to go out and bully you. And if she can't, she's not going to get anything else done. Mm-hmm. So, uh, McKenna. Opened up at minus 210, jumped up to minus 193. It's currently min- minus 218. Granger opened at plus 180, dropped down to plus 158. It's currently up at plus 178. That brings us to our opening prelim, a woman's bantamweight bout. Myra Buena Silva, Stephanie Egger, and... Um, Silva. Oh, it's you. Uh, yeah. Excuse me. That's it. Yeah. I mean... Oh, this is 
this should be um this should be a great fight for Silva. Yeah. Edgar has I mean the the interesting thing for this with Silva really is that Silva is not Silva also wants to be a bully who uses her physicality to push people around. Mm-hmm. Which means that even though she's the way better puncher than Edgar, she will probably clinch up with her fairly quickly and try to break her posture in the clinch yeah. to land knees and uppercuts. Which is as uh, Jessica Rose Clark found out the only place where Edgar is actually kind of good. Yep. She is a judo black belt. She's got takedowns. And they uh, quickly transitioned to arm bars off of those. Yep. But Myra Boynesova has never been submitted. No. And is a very capable, hard-fighting, scrambling grappler who can get go through bad spots and come out of them. So yep. I'm I'm going to bank on that happening at least once. Um, And then otherwise, it's just... Edgar has no striking game, and Silva hits pretty hard. So, you got to take Silva. Yeah, no, yeah. The, the the bullying aspect is the only interest here because they're they're the same size. Edgar also uses her size, and um, you know, when in doubt, uses aggression to try to overwhelm opponents. Um, I mean, I got to hand it to Edgar. She is. I, I've never really been very impressed with any technical aspect of her game, like even the mm-hmm. judo and jiu-jitsu. Like, uh, I've just seen MMA native type fighters just yeah. kind of put everything together better than her and beat her in her phases. Sure. But she is actually, she's not as like psychologically fragile, I think, as you guess if you watch like one of her first mm. rounds. Yeah. You see her run into that first wall. Uh, where the opponent is just quicker or more technical or both. And her defense is terrible, and she is an entirely one-handed puncher mm-hmm. and very awkward. And you're like, okay, so she's going to crumble because she's she's trying to bully here, and it's just not working. She's genuinely very scrappy. She yep. she will get super exhausted and beaten up and still go in there and try to make chances happen. Yep. Um, she's not a quitter at all. Yeah. I, and that can make it interesting. Um, sure. You know, Silva's got power, but she doesn't have a lot of technique, and she doesn't, um, and she always wants to get into that bullying clinch of hers. Yep. So she doesn't knock anybody out. Yep. At all. I mean, like, yeah, I, that, think, I think she's going to end up giving Edgar more chances than Edgar really should yeah. have. Um, I don't know that she's actually ever had one recorded knockout in her career. And uh, let's see. There's nope. a, a win against Ta- Tana Tegma in 2016 that just says win. And yeah. that's, so that could be. But and it's then there's not. a there's a TKO retirement before that. Yeah. But I'm, you know, it, it, it says a lot that for somebody who has the physicality and power that she has, she's never been able to put like right. put the strikes together to, to knock anybody out. So that could make this for that could make this become a more harrowing fight as it goes. If we just have Edgar in there being tough round after round. Um, but I'm still going to I got to pick Byron Bonasova. Yep, same. I just think she's a better, more physically imposing bully. Mm-hmm. And um, Edgar's only technical edge over anyone is her grappling. And uh, like I said, like she, she will also just like get swept and just hang out and guard like. Yeah. She she just doesn't have a super cohesive MMA game. So, Silva. Odds, odds on the bout. Myra Bueno Silva is the underdog. I guess beating <laughs> Jessica Rose Clark goes a long way, huh? I guess. Silva opened at minus 130, dropped to minus 150, is currently up at minus 101. Edgar opened at plus 110, jumped to plus 145, and is now down at minus 116. Lots of people coming in on. Edgar with like like I said Silva's she may have never knocked anyone out but she's also never been submitted and she submitted plenty of people who are even decent grapplers you know she armbarred Jillian Robertson and armbarred uh, Mara Barella it's uh, and she even like her fight with Manon Fioro was physically competitive you know, 
I don't I don't see a lot of like beating Shanna Young doesn't mean anything. And I know like King Reyna is, you know, a, a mean fighter that everybody loves, but mm-hmm. beating her doesn't mean a lot either. And otherwise, Jesse Rose Clark just throwing herself bodily into that armbar in a fight that she had no business losing. Yeah. Doesn't, you know, we Jessica Rose Clark went and did the exact same thing one fight later against a much worse opponent. Who literally doesn't even have the takedowns, just the armbars. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I got to go with Sylvia. All right. On that note, we're going to wrap things up. You can find me on Twitter at Zane Simon. You can find Connor on Twitter at Boxing Bush. Find both of us over at BuddyElbow.com. Give us a like, subscribe to our podcast. Buddy Elbow presents on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all that good stuff. And we will be back in one week's time for UFC San Diego Vera versus Cruz. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We'll see you then. Thank you for listening to this Bloody Elbow Presents production. To check out more of our content, hop over to the Bloody Elbow Presents SoundCloud and iTunes pages, as well as subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is titled Bloody Elbow Presents. We are also on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Player FM, and Amazon Music. Just search for Bloody Elbow Presents and you will get brand new shows throughout the week, including Care Don't Care, The Mookie and Crookie Show, The MMA Vivisection, The Level Change Podcast, The Sixth Round Post-Fight Show, Sixth Round Retro, The MMA Depressed Us, Crooklyn's Corner, Exclusive Fighter Interviews, Show Money, and Radio Style Play-by-Play for every UFC pay-per-view. Be sure to also follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloody elbow blog, and as always on bloodyelbow.com. <laughs>